0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot.
1: Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to John chapter 14. For the last 6,000 years, God has chosen to speak not only through prophets and the apostles, but through his written word. And he has given us the word the Word of God, you hold it in your lap today. It's the breath of God. He's given us this book that we call the Bible, all 66 books. He has given us the Bible for certain reasons. It's not just because he doesn't want us to be heathens. He's given us this book that it might be a spiritual compass, that it would light our
0: steps. The Bible says His Word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. A lamp unto
1: our feet and a light unto His path. It's given to us as we travel through light and travel through darkness
0: in this journey of life for one particular reason, that we might know Him and the power of His resurrection.
1: As I mentioned last Sunday, and we are currently in our annual Bible Prophecy Sermon series, God has never intended for His people to walk in darkness, but to always give them light. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been given that light for the last 6,000 years. Now, this morning, I'm going to be speaking on what I believe, probably, in our Bible prophecy sermon series. Next Sunday, I'll be speaking about the judgment seat of Christ, the very next event that takes place after today's message. But on God's prophetic calendar... And he does have one. And keep in mind that God does not compute time like we do. But the very next thing that's going to happen on God's prophetic calendar is what we're talking about today, and that's the rapture of the church. We have been speaking on Bible prophecy for over 20 years here at Buford Road. And I would hope by now that you know Bible prophecy almost as well as you know the gospel. The gospel being, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Bible prophecy concerning these wonderful promises that engulfs the gospel
0: because I assure you of this, death does not end all. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. So the bottom line truth of the matter is this, every one of us will be somewhere forever.
1: And so today, I believe out of all the Prophetic sermons that we have preached and that we will be preaching. Today's message is probably the most curious of them all. And we're going to be talking about the rapture. I'm going to probably clarify some things about the rapture because what I have found out through the years of ministry, almost preaching the gospel for 50 years... I have found out that some have tangled up certain events and tried to paint pictures of the rapture that just simply are not true. And as colorful as they present them and warm and fuzzy, but it's my desire in my heart to give you the pure, the unadulterated word of God so that you will not leave here today with the rapture tangled up in your mind. If you pay very close attention, it's my goal, it's my heart's desire that I give you these incredible truths about this most important doctrine, the next thing on God's prophetic calendar. And so let's get to work. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me now to John chapter 14, and I'm going to read for you, and these verses, verses 1 through 3, I, I would hope that you are so well familiar with these verses that as well as you can quote John three sixteen from memory, you ought to be able to quote these three. Every believer ought to know these words. In John chapter 14, verse number 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house, and, and I love this. This is one of the reasons why I love the King James so much. Because you can look at other translations of scripture and it would say something like this. For in my father's house are many rooms. For in my father's house are many houses. But this is one of the trillions of reasons why I love the King James. Because the word says, for in my father's house are many mansions. So for the person that says, well, you know, preacher, I'm not really interested in living all of this spiritual life, the Christian life. You know, the, the bottom, thing, bottom line thing for me is this. I just simply don't want to go to hell at the end. And so if God would just see fit to build me a little cabin somewhere over there in glory, I, I can spend the rest of eternity and let the endless ages roll on by. Well, I hate to disappoint you because there are no little cabins in heaven. No little tiny houses in heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, oh, I love these words, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. Now, that's John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 3. If you have found the place, You have read the Scriptures. Now listen very carefully. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. And again, it's my goal to untangle maybe some myths, some fables, some things that are simply not true, that maybe you have heard about the rapture, and that we can give you some straight, pure gospel today. There are many prophecies in the Bible about the first advent of the second coming of Jesus. And I remind you, there are two of them. There is what is called the first advent of his coming, his return. And then there is the second advent. We'll talk about it in just a minute. You might be interested to know that there are over 55 prophecies in the Old Testament about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to give you two Testimonials from the New Testament about his promise to come again. And so I want you to listen very carefully. Two promises, two testimonials. In fact, one of them comes from the opening scripture that we've given you this morning, John chapter 14. And I want you to notice these four words in that passage. He said, I, Jesus is speaking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, every time you see print in red, that's the Lord Jesus speaking. Jesus is speaking himself when he says, I will come again. And by the way, the Lord Jesus echoed these incredible words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 34. And if you look at the end of the passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 11:34, again, the Lord says, when I come. And so God has stamped his integrity on those words because he has spoken them. Look at it carefully. He did not say, if I come again, or I might come again. He said, when I come, I am coming again. And by the way, there is a passage of Scripture in Titus chapter 1 in verse number 2 that says it is impossible for God to lie. So I want you to think about this. If God ever lied, he could not be God. Don't ever think that out of all of the years, even before God created the heavens and the earth, Way before that act of creation, because God said that Jesus was the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Way back in all of that, and when God created the world and spoke out into the portals of nothing when he said, let there be light, all the way back to those days, even until now... Don't ever think for one moment that God is so old that he has got to the place now where he must be running out of steam. He must be exhausted that something else needs to take his place because there's a passage of Scripture in Psalms. Chapter 41 in verse number 13 that says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Look at this now. From everlasting and to everlasting. Amen. Now, another verse. We have, first of all, Jesus himself gives a personal testimony that he is going to return. He personally said, If I go, I will come again. And he personally said, When I come. So by his own voice, by his own words, he has promised to come. But I want you to see another verse, another testimonial in the New Testament. And it's found in Acts chapter 1 in verse number 11. This particular verse, these words of Jesus, were spoken 40 days after his glorious bodily resurrection. After the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead after three days. The Word teaches us that he showed himself alive for 40 days. Among his disciples, the community in which he lived, people saw him alive. And on the 40th day after his resurrection, the Word of God teaches us that Jesus assembled all of his disciples to this place called the Mount of Olives. In just a few days, I'm going to lead a group to the Holy Land, and we will stand upon the Mount of Olives. He assembled all of his disciples to this place, the Mount of Olives, and there he began to speak with great authority. And when he gave the message, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he then said, and whatsoever things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And when he finished speaking those words, this is where Acts chapter 1 verse 11 takes place. Because immediately when Jesus spoke those words, he majestically began to ascend back to heaven to the Father. The work was complete. He came, his purpose, the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. His purpose coming to this earth was not that he would become famous and not that people would write wonderful songs and poems about him and kind of put together what they believe he he looked like and put pictures on the wall of Jesus. Listen carefully. That's not why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. He was born to die. He was born to shed his blood. It was only the blood of the Lord Jesus, that red, crimson, perfect, spotless Lamb of God, had to shed his blood, which was God's blood. It was the only redeeming atonement for a person to go to heaven. And Jesus did that. 750 years before he died, Isaiah the prophet said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. It was also prophesied that Jesus would come, he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. All of those prophecies were fulfilled. And then on that day, the day of crucifixion, just as the Bible had prophesied, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God,
0: hung on a cross between two criminals, two thieves. They brutalized his body even way before he got to the cross.
1: Isaiah the prophet said, that he would be so beaten, the word says that his visage was marred, that no man would know him. Before Jesus got to the cross, he was beaten beyond human recognition. They had whipped the flesh off of his back. His vital organs were exposed. They shoved the crown of thorns down into his brow. Thorns two inches thick, long, that reached the bone of his skull. The cat of nine tails had whipped the flesh off of his back all before he got to the cross. And then on the cross, as the blood trickled down his body, forming that pool, that crimson pool beneath his feet, according to the word of God, and we'll talk about the seven sayings of the cross in just a few weeks. But he finally, when it was done, he had cried, It is finished, and gave his spirit back to God. He bowed his head, gave up the ghost, and gave his spirit back to God. His work, his mission was done. The price for redemption had been paid,
0: the Lamb of God had shed his blood. He was taken off of the cross
1: by two men, Joseph of Arimathea and a man called Nicodemus. You may know a little bit about him. They took the body of Jesus off the cross, and they began to wrap him in ointments and spices, a lo particularly, and myrrh. And then they placed Jesus in a borrowed tomb, not too far from the cross. On the third day, God raised him from the dead, and again, he assembled his disciples to this place on the 40th day after his resurrection. And now it was time for him to go back to the Father. His work on this earth was done. It is finished, is what he said. And by the way, let me say this. There is absolutely nothing that a human being can do to add to salvation. You cannot make it any better and you cannot make it any less than what it is. It is perfect. It's God's plan of salvation.
0: It was so complete. And Jesus cried, it is finished. And now on this 40th day, while his disciples are gathered together,
1: he's now being caught up in the cloud. He is now leaving this earth They're standing there watching him, and I can imagine only weeping, especially for those 12 disciples who had walked with him.
0: Actually 11, because you know the word Judas Iscariot had hung himself. But
1: particularly those 11 disciples are now, I mean, they had spent the last three and a half years of their life walking with him, talking with him sleeping with him, eating with him, watching him perform miracles. And now the closest friend that they have ever experienced in their life is being taken from them. Jesus tried to prepare them for that. They couldn't quite grasp it. But now, on the 40th day after his resurrection, he's being caught up in the clouds. He's ascending back to the Father. And as he is disappearing into the heavens right before their eyes. The word of God says that the angel began to speak which also said in verse 11, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. I'm telling you, when the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture, I'm so thankful that I can tell you today that he's not going to send an archangel after us. He's not going to send Gabriel after us. He's not going to send a cherubim after us. He's not going to send a seraphim after us. When the Lord Jesus comes, he is coming personally for you and I. Somebody the church say amen. Why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come. Listen, this is a testimony. Shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so when we look at this, we have two personal testimonies. One of the Lord Jesus himself. If I go, I will come again. And then we have the testimony of this Angelic experience and I can assure you of this listen carefully the rapture is not going to be something That you're going to want to read about in the day afters newspaper keep that in mind If you read about the rapture the day after the rapture you are in a heap of trouble Now turn with me to the gospel of Matthew chapter 24 Because number two, if you're following on your bulletin, I want you to see something. Because Jesus explains the spiritual condition of the world before he returns. And as I told you last week, we are living in the times that the Bible describes as the times of the sin. The word Laodicean means the rights of the people. I don't have time to really dig into that today, but you know and I know that this is the generation right now that is being motivated from one point of the globe to the other on this thing called the rights of the people. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse number 1 through 14, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying that I am Christ. Right now on this earth there are nine people who declare that they are Jesus Christ. And shall deceive many and you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences. Are we not living in the day of pestilences? This is diseases
0: and earthquakes in diverse places. Think about this. All these are the beginning
1: of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity, and that word iniquity means sin, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, in this passage, Jesus himself gave a chilling description of what the world is going to be like right before he returns. Jesus describes the condition of the world to be a great falling away. And by the way, the Apostle Paul spoke about that too in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to quickly read that for you. He said, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ, listen carefully, the day of Christ is not the day of the Lord. The day of Christ is talking specifically about the rapture. The day of the Lord deals specifically with the revelation. There's seven years between the two of them. As that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there. Listen, Jesus is speaking. When you think about this very carefully, he's saying that the rapture will not come until there is a great falling away. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And So verse 2 is talking about the day of Christ, the rapture. Now the day of the Lord is the revelation. When the Lord Jesus comes in the rapture, we will meet him in the air. I'll give you specifics for that in just a minute. Seven years after the rapture, he will return in the revelation. The word says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 14, in that day his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives and it shall cleave in two. It's a marvelous, marvelous happening. And in this series, I will go into depth with that for you. But verse 3 says right before Jesus returns that there's going to be a great falling away. And that means this, there is going to be a world There's going to be a society who is against, by large, who is against the Word of God. And that is being fulfilled right before your very eyes right now. This world as a whole is not for the Word of God. It's not for God himself. It's not for the church. It's not for the Lord Jesus Christ. This world, by large, is totally against it. That's being fulfilled today. The Bible is being declared all over the planet in multiple ways as hate speech. I'm talking about about millions of people all over the world. People all over the world look at this Bible that you hold in your lap today as being worthless. They look at it as though it no longer matters. They look at it as if it was one big hoax, one big total lie. But again, going back to Matthew 24, Jesus said that right before the rapture that there would be a great falling away. Global apostasy would be everywhere. And he went on to say that in his end time message that, and this, listen, church, you need to perk up here and listen very, very carefully. I encourage all of you that are watching by internet today, do not let this go by. And this is a scary truth. This is a scary reality. Jesus said right before I come, not only would there be global apostasy from one end of the earth to the other, but Jesus went on to say that it would be in the church as well. Now listen carefully. He's talking about a great falling away. He said the falling away would take place on the earth right before I come. He said not only would it take place in the earth, but he said it would take place in the
0: church. So listen to this. You cannot fall away from anything unless you were first close to it.
1: Let me explain that again. Listen carefully. Jesus said in the church... In the church, there would be a great falling away. And
0: I say this to every professing Christian. And I emphasize professing. You cannot fall away from something unless
1: you have been close to it. I hope and pray that you let that truth sink in today. Look with me in Matthew chapter 25. In verse number 1 through 13, I read quickly. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish.
0: They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the
1: wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. while the bridegroom... Now let me say this. This is a parable. This is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But let me say this. The bridegroom is the Lord Jesus.
0: The bride is the church. So listen carefully. While the bridegroom
1: tarried... They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold the bridegroom. Again, this is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Behold the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil,
0: for our lamps are gone out.
1: But the wise answered, saying, No, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go, ye, rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Are you rapture-minded here? The bridegroom came, and they were ready, went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Remember the days of Noah when he built the ark. As long as the door was open, every human being on the earth had an opportunity.
0: But when God shut the door, humanity perished except those eight people, Noah and his family on the ark.
1: Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I said unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. This is a beautiful par- parable that emphasizes the commotion that's going to take place when the rapture happens. Keep in mind, Jesus never said that, there would, that, that we would not know the seasons We would not know the signs before he returns. He proclaimed that we would not know the day nor the hour. But there's something interesting in this parable of the ten virgins and how it reveals the spiritual condition on this earth before he returns. Because in this parable, the bridegroom is Jesus. And the ten virgins represent the church or maybe better words, the religious community. The only real and true
0: church, by the way, is what is called the ecclesia, the called-out assembly,
1: those who have truly received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, those that have been miraculously, truly born again. And Jesus said this, that when he comes... In this parable, we get the story that only half of the professors who are possessors will be ready. And he is saying this. He is saying that out of the ten, five were ready and five were not. He said five were wise and five were foolish. He is saying that only half of their lamps were all trimmed and burning. And I'm going to share something with you this morning that's not comfortable for a lot of people to hear. And the reason it's not comfortable, because we are allowing ourselves to gravitate and accept this political correct nonsense that's going all over the world. What we are doing, we're allowing political correctness to turn us
0: into fools. But I will tell you the truth this morning.
1: A good pastor will not tell you stuff you want to hear a good pastor will tell you stuff you need to hear. And that's all the difference in the world. Let me tell you something about these five foolish virgins. They represent the religious community, the politically correct church-going people who call themselves the church, by the way, who are really not saved.
0: You know, it used to be said to walk the walk and talk the talk. But we're living in a time that the religious community do not even talk the
1: talk anymore. Are you with me? Now listen, and according to Jesus, it's the time that takes place right before the rapture. Jesus was talking and describing it as a great falling away. well. Away. And it, and it's going to affect, this falling away is going to affect professing Christians. It's going to affect the church as well as it affects the apostates in the world. And so listen carefully. Not only the world, agnostics, atheists, infidels, listen, not only
0: the world, but many churches, places of assembly, just like ours, with a steeple on the roof.
1: Maybe a cross in the lobby. Listen carefully. Many churches today are rejecting the absolute clear teachings of the Bible. Many churches are doing that. What do you say, preacher? Let me tell you, there, there are professing, professing Christians that are clearly rejecting what this book says about abortion. There are churches with steeples on their roof and crosses in their lobby that is completely rejecting what this book says about homosexuality. Oh, and they do it with all kinds of love and fluff and all this stuff, that there are some churches with steeples on the roof who are embedded with crosses and crosses in the lobby. There are some churches that are rejecting the inerrancy of the Scripture, meaning they no longer take the Bible to be the literal Word of God. For example, when it comes to the subject of hell, there are
0: many churches, crosses on the steeple, crosses in the lobby, who reject the scriptural,
1: biblical teaching on hell. Some no longer even preach about hell. Some no longer preach about a real, literal devil. My response to that is this, that if the Bible... The word of God, if the Bible is lying to us about hell, then why should we believe anything about it concerning heaven? If this book is wrong on one thing, then how in the world could we believe anything it says? Did you know that Jesus talked about hell more than he did in the scriptures about heaven? This book is inspired. It is the breath of God. It is infallible. It is an errant. That means without error. It's perfect. It's the holy word of God. And many churches today all across the planet believe in this thing called universalism, meaning that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. One well-known pastor This shocks me, it disturbs me, it breaks my heart to even read it, much less comprehend it. But one well-known pastor, he said this, that he would not any longer define his life or his lifestyle or his sexuality by the four corners of this book. He says it's time for another testament to be written that is more up to date for the times that we're living in. God have mercy because that's exactly what this world is gravitating towards. These are the kind of things that's happening in buildings and structures with crosses on the steeple and crosses in the lobby. Yet at the same time, listen carefully, we have to be. I don't care who is affected or who is affecting us outside of the perimeters of the Bible. I want to be clear about something. No Christian ought to hate anybody. Regardless of what a person believes or thinks or feels. We have to remember this. That in all aspects. Jesus teaches us to love. He teaches us to have compassion. He teaches us to have forgiveness. He teaches us to have mercy. And as long as Jesus tarries his coming, that's what we need to do. But we're clearly living in the day of Bible prophecy that's being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Jesus said this, when I come, when I return, he said, only half of the professing Christians will
0: really truly know me. That is why we, who know the truth,
1: we need to stand firm on what this Bible says. I want you to see something in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he said this, <clears throat> For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And so we need to have the same confidence that the Apostle Paul had, When it comes to our faith, I want you to look again at what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12. They'll get it here on the scripture for you real quickly here. And because iniquity or sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So Jesus is describing the world that we're living in right now, this very moment right now. So when the rapture takes place, listen carefully, this is something to remember. When the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ will rise first. We talk about that next Sunday in the judgment seat of Christ. But listen carefully. When the rapture takes place, there will not be one single saved person left on this earth at that time.
0: It will become completely a different world. Number three, quickly.
1: Jesus gave us examples. In Luke chapter 17, verse 26 through 37, he said this, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus <clears throat> shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. That's a message all in itself. You know, we, we got a lot of stuff we're more concerned about than Jesus. You can't take stuff with you when you go to heaven. Have you ever seen somebody going to heaven pulling a U-Haul trailer? (laughs) It's not going to happen. Look at this. Let him come down to take it away, and he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken. That's not talking, by the way, it's not talking about homosexuals. That's talking about in different places of the world. It's going to be daylight in one place of the world. It's going to be nighttime in another place of the world. Some people be working. Some people be sleeping. That's what this is a reference to. Don't let anybody try to pervert the Scriptures with you. Now, look, two women shall be grinding together. One shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither with the. Look at this. This is important. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to untangle something maybe for you right now. Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered. Now, Jesus compared all of this to the days of Noah, meaning that right before his coming, not only would it be apostasy, not only would it be a great falling away, he said, but right before I come, the world is going to be engulfed full of violence. Look around. And he compared it to the days of Lot, which was a period of time in human history where humanity was completely perverted. And it's clear that the world has decided to go completely today against the Word of God and to ignore it. Now, in chapter 17 of Luke, I want you to see this. Number four, because the rapture is going to be a selective event. In Luke 17, verse 34 through 36, the word says, I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinded together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. So here's what this means. When the rapture takes place, there will be some Christian women who are married
0: who will be raptured, taken out of this world, and there will be some who are married to a good Christian woman,
1: a husband who is lost, and according to the Scripture, the wife will be taken and the husband will be left. Children under the age of accountability will go. So when the rapture takes place, the saved will go, the lost will be left behind. And then number five, and we talk a little bit more about this next Sunday, the rapture will take all believers into the air to meet Jesus. This, this is a misconception. When, when, when the rapture takes place, regardless of what you heard, we're not going to immediately be raptured into heaven because when the rapture takes place, the Lord Jesus comes, and according to the scripture, we will meet him in the air. And Jesus went on to explain this. In Luke 17, verse 37. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? It was saying, What are you talking about? And he said unto them, soever the body is, listen, thither
0: will the eagles be gathered together. Now, where do the eagles fly? They don't fly in
1: space. They fly in the air. Paul made that clear in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I close with number six and ask the musicians to come. And this, what I'm going to teach you right now and share with you from God's Word, is probably one of the greatest misconceptions
0: about death and about the rapture. So please listen very carefully.
1: The rapture will be a transforming event. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means this, when the rapture takes place, some of us will not experience death. Now, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. And if Jesus tarries his coming, we we all have an appointment. We don't know when, where, and how. But according to the word of God, we all have an appointment
0: with this thing called death if Jesus tarries. And when this happens,
1: according to the word of God, we shall not all sleep, which means this,
0: that there are going to be some living, very much alive Christians. When the trumpet sounds, they will be caught up in the air also
1: with, our departed loved ones who are saved. And it's going to be a transforming moment because the word says this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's computed to be basically one twentieth of a second. You think about the things that are going to take place in a twentieth of a second. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So let me explain something to you here. When When a Christian dies, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They lower our bodies in the ground, but our soul, our spiritual spirit within us, it goes into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Our bodies are lowered in the ground. Our soul is ushered into the presence of the Lord. So here's something that I want to untangle for you. When we close our eyes in death, we breathe our last breath. We are not given at this point a glorified body.
0: Our spirit goes to be with the Lord. But the day of the rapture,
1: that all changes because of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 21. Listen, the rapture is going to be a transforming event. He said this, this is talking about the rapture, who shall change our vile body. These bodies, I've said it a thousand times, these bodies are not made to live in heaven. We, We all have so much stuff wrong with us. You have to have a pill to get out of the bed. You have to have a pill at lunchtime. You got to have a pill at nighttime. We are all on dope. (laughs) David said this in Psalms 23, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not in a body like this. Amen. Amen. Not in a body like this. I'm trying to lose some weight. My example is Brother David Cobble over there.
0: The other night, man, I was at the game.
1: I was struggling, man. I saw everybody around me eating those double cheeseburgers, (laughs) those hot dogs. I was in a bad way. I went over there to him. And I said, Oh, brother, brother, encourage me. I'm having trouble. He said, What is that? He said, You're doing good. I said, That ain't working. He said, Well, I'm getting ready to have some nachos and cheese. Listen, every one of us, we, we got something wrong with this thing.
0: This body's not made to live in heaven. But thank God he's going to give us a body. A new body. We won't have hearing
1: aids, eyeglasses, nitroglycerin. We won't have oxygen tanks. Listen, none of us are going to stumble and limp into heaven. None of us kidney stones, none of us. Imagine some of us going to heaven with kidney stones. That's not going to happen. He's going to give us a brand new body. And look at this, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. In Revelation 21, the Bible says this. John's on the Isle of Patmos. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Listen, when we get to heaven, we're not dragging this old carcass with us. He is going to give us a brand new body. As David said, I I shall live in the house of the Lord forever. It's made to live forever. Amen. 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 So get this straight in your hearts today. The rapture is the very next thing to happen
0: on God's calendar. The very next thing. Are you rapture ready? Are you ready for the Lord to come again? Because, according to the scriptures,
1: it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye.
0: You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.